0: I'm Kate and I'm Jesse and you're listening to cocktails and content creation (laughs) let's
1: do this
2: you know I would take a cup of coffee to shoot a family portrait session and and I was just like whatever wherever I'll take whatever you can give me which is sort of kind of funny because it's the parallels of like scarcity and you know how we deal as entrepreneurs like what do we charge you know we're not worth that how can we be worth that
1: welcome to cocktails and content creation the podcast dedicated to helping you easily create content with confidence I'm Kate Andrews
0: and I'm Jesse Wyman. Welcome back to another episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. This is episode 148. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in. We would love to
1: know what you think. We did would indeed. Well, for today's episode, we're chatting about going from corporate to creative, navigating the entrepreneurial journey. But before we go any further, what are you drinking today, Jessie?
0: Mm, I'm back on the boxed wine kick it's been a (laughs) while it's been a hot moment so just drinking some pino grigio the boda Mm -hmm. box wine which is our favorite not sponsored but again for anybody that's new listening in i a couple years ago i was on like a boda box wine kick
1: like during the pandemic during the
0: pandemic when everybody just became alcoholics to drown out their misery no i'm just kidding about that but in all seriousness, the great thing about it is because I am kind of a slower drinker with wine, It's it can, like, stay in the fridge for, like, 30 days and stay fresh. So, that's why I like that's,
1: it. That's pretty nice, yeah. I have to say. As somebody who can't drink that often, like...
0: Get yourself a little uh, bit of That's a box. selling
1: point. That's a selling point right mm-hmm. there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, now that we all know that how long a box of wine can last in Jesse's fridge... <laughs> Let's dive into it, our discussion with Devo Tyndall. Devo Tyndall is a
0: dynamic and innovative holistic branding strategist and content creator with a passion for helping businesses tell their unique and authentic stories. Devo's career began in the corporate world with over 15 years' experience navigating senior roles in organizations before deciding to take the leap to start everything from scratch with his own entrepreneurial journey. Today, Devo is going to be taking us through navigating that leap from corporate to entrepreneurship. Devo, welcome to the show.
2: Welcome. Thank you for having me. appreciate it.
0: Yeah, we're very excited. Yes.
1: Yes, This is, I think, a topic that a lot of our listeners have in the back of their minds of when they should be taking that leap or what, how that leap should look. But before we get into that good stuff, uh, this is cocktails and content creation. So the first being cocktails. Uh, So we must start off with what are you drinking today? Or what would you be drinking if it was five o'clock where you are?
2: Well, I'm not a big alcohol drinker, don't be upset, but I have gotten no into mez- Mezcal lately. I had a recent uh, mastermind group in Mexico and one of my – my actually, my business coach who was there turned me on to Mezcal and I'm uh, really digging it. But you can't find it anywhere in Charlotte, so it's hard. But right now, I'm drinking lemon water.
0: What is Mezcal? Mm. Is it like a
1: – what is Hi, it? It's
2: a high-end tequila that's made from a different type of uh, cactus, like an agave. Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's, it's smoked and pressed and made in the ground. Like all kinds, there's all sorts of strategies to, to ferment it. Um, mm. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really good stuff. It's like crazy strong though, so be careful. Be forewarned. Jesse, <laughs> and, that, drink, and that is a,
0: and that is a tequila.
2: Well, you can put it into a. It's it's a type of tequila. Okay.
0: Hmm.
2: So tequila has like. I'm not a very experienced drinker, but um, apparently there's different versions of tequilas, all sorts of different versions and the way it's made, sort no of idea. like a yeah, sort of like a wine. And so mezcal, yeah, it was really cool. So mezcal is just one of those versions of how they make a tequila, and it's hmm. a very specialized version. So it's like a higher end tequila than just like doing a whistle in in Tijuana and playing <laughs> on the back of a bar. <laughs> you know, it's like a <laughs> sipping. It's a fine sipping. Bar.
0: Well, I will say I do like a good margarita. I will, I don't think I could do a tequila shot anymore these days, but um I wonder if we have it up here in New England.
1: That's that's tequila shots are for college. Yeah.
2: yeah. This is a sipping drink. It's M-E-Z-C-A-L and it's yeah. very clean, um, really high proof. I drink it in like nothing, just straight up.
0: That's
1: insane. You're so brave.
0: That,
2: no, I'm not. I can only do one, and I'm out. Like it's done. I'm like <laughs> one drink.
1: <laughs> Actually, yeah. that sounds like any time I go to go out for uh, a drink, I'm one and done. <laughs> he is. She's very much one and done.
2: Yeah, but I it's it's, it's something. Yeah, but and you take several hours to drink it. Like well, at least I do. Yeah. My friend, my friend Nick doesn't, but I'm just sort of like. I'm the dude who will have one drink for the entire time at a party, and just walking around holding it. That's
1: perfect. I love that. Though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, all right. Now that we well we've gotten a little idea of your 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 drinking style, um, let's get into your journey. Uh, give us kind of a lowdown of of who you are, where you how you got to where you are today, and you can also kind of share that personal story about making the leap to entrepreneurship.
2: Okay, so I like probably a lot of your listeners just went straight from straight into college, graduated college, took a job. Um, I didn't really have any mentors or anything like that growing up. My parents were not mentors in any way, shape, or form. I went to college um, from California all the way out to Connecticut. So I was sort of sitting on an island by myself. So I didn't really have any of those conversations. Not that I wanted to, but um, I took a job. I was very entrepreneurial in college, even though I didn't call myself an entrepreneur. Um, I started clubs started organizations. I started an intramural program. So I've always sort of had this in my blood. I just didn't know what it was. Um my grandfather just called it a go-getter or a pain in the ass, depending upon <laughs> which end of it you're on. So I took a job right out of college um with a bank actually uh, which is sort of an interesting story right. in of itself, if I may. I had the opportunity to do several other jobs. Um but I grew up really poor, as I mentioned one of 12. And so I sort of was like, okay, I graduated college now I got to go make money. So I'm not going to be poor. And so I had the opportunity to do several really cool jobs that were actually really in line with my spirit. And I turned those down because they were very low revenue for me. And I took a job um, in uh, with a bank in New York City. And the program was an executive development program. So it was a two-year crash course on everything in the business. And then when you graduated from the program, um, they put you in a position of leadership or management uh, somewhere in, around the country with the, with the organization. So I did that. I, gr- I graduated the program in one year. I finished it early because I just didn't really want to stay in it. So I fast-tracked it. And then, um, so, and you had assignments to the program, which is really cool. You got to expose to all the different aspects of the business, which is really a a key point in where I'm going with the story because I got exposure on literally everything from operations to marketing, to branding, to sales, to the technical stuff, technology. And, and then each of the stints, you would work for one of the senior presidents of the company. So you got your yawning. I see that Kate. Um, no yawning's allowed. <laughs> so anyhow, I that that was my that was my stint into that. I, I graduated early, and then the last boss that I had in that program, um, he was getting pushed out to San Diego, which is where I'm from, and he asked me to come. So it was just sort of like a serendipitous thing. So I went to San Diego with him, and I started working in the corporate world. Uh, and I was specifically in charge of all technology for the company. It was like an old an old dilapidated company that the bank in New York had just purchased, which is why we were sent out. And so my job was to work with him to bring that company into the 21st century of technology. And um, it was a uh, it was a robust task. And so that's kind of where I went. I did that for almost 15 years. And then um, I don't know if I should I stop because I'm kind of going on. So I, So I did that for like 15 years and just kind of worked through the ranks of the company and climbed relatively high within the space of it and uh it was it was around i would say probably around the 13th or so year in my business or with this business when i started to realize that i just was not passionate about any of the stuff that i was doing it just li- literally had no meaning to me sometimes i would come home and be like i'm not even sure what i did today like i went to meetings and stuff but i'm not really even sure what difference i'm making i was just like i'm just a cog in the wheel and um and i was doing some pretty high profile projects for the company uh, so the one that really sort of kind of was the catalyst for me moving on. There were two two different things that happened. Um, I've always been a photographer. So I've had a camera in my hand since I was 12 years old. And but I never really realized I was gonna do any business with that. It's just sort of I just it was a hobby, a passion of mine to take photos. And so Um, I got married and we hired a photographer and I'm going somewhere with the story. And it took like a year for us to get our photos back. And uh, and the photos, when they did come back, they were just miserable. I'm like, we just paid this dude like 4k to shoot wedding photos. Took him a year to get back. And these are just awful. Like I could take these in my sleep. So um, simultaneous to that, I had just finished a really big project with my company. And it was a two-year project that that, um, spanned over... It was multiple millions of dollars with the project, but the the end game was to, there was roughly 160 field reps we had in the company that were actually field collectors um, for for mobile homes. They collected money on mobile home debts and, and they were servicing agents for these collections. And they were basically just going around notepad and paper from home to home and tracking everything. And so over a two-year period, my job was to digitize everything they had. So we got them GPS units and their cars. Tablet PCs. I mean, they they were like outfitted, and then plus the supporting software infrastructure to help support that. And at the end of that project, um, which was highly successful, there the 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 project just ended, and it was sort of like there was nothing left. And then the company got sold to another division, so I was just sort of like, okay, in limbo, and m- myself and a bunch of other people got laid off. And it was just sort of like, we just spent two years, several million dollars to do this project, and they're just going to scrap the whole thing. And combined with the photography piece and this, I was like, okay, so if this were to happen again, which by the way, I got rehired by the company, but as a consultant. So they rehired me back because I guess they saw some value in me. Um, But my thought process was like, if that can happen to all of us, and there were several hundred of us that just got laid off just like that like what's my end game to all this and where does this go so i was like i took a hard look at what am i good at what do i love doing and is there a way to make a business at that and so you can you can kind of see where i'm going with it so i'll stop there
0: wow that's really uh like a first of all the fact that you stayed at this company for you said 15 years
2: yeah that's
1: wow that's
0: like really unheard of this like i feel like nowadays coming out of college like i don't know my first job i think i stayed at it for not even a year and then you, i was like
1: see ya yeah. you're, you're a millennial job. you're a millennial right yes
2: am
0: i
1: yes
2: i, I don't know that what's that category i mean i'm in my 40s
0: you might
1: be just out of it you might be maybe yeah, but yeah. Way, yeah. You know, that's a millennial thing to jump from job to job and that yeah. to yeah. stay for so long i i
2: had a i had a good thing going i was paid a shit ton of money and you know i had projects that kept me really busy and i was one of those i'm I'm very industrious so and i'm very loyal by the way also like that's just sort of some of my characteristics so Mm -hmm. jumping ship it never even occurred to me like i have a good job I'm making really good money. I'm making a difference. I'm climbing the ladder. I bought into sort of the whole dogma around being in the corporate world and working for for someone else. Like I just didn't realize that there was another way to do anything. Truthfully, I just it never even dawned on me that I could walk away or come out of college and launch my own business. Just it's not something that was in my context.
1: Well, as somebody who also grew up poor. There's also that job security factor where you're like, I have a job, like, okay, I'm good. Like, this is, this is fine. Because I know I felt the same exact way. Like, I just was going to stay someplace because here I am. I've got a job. I've got a guaranteed income. Like, why would I do anything else?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Kid. And yeah. I had no context for anything else. I just, it wasn't something that dawned on me.
0: Right. right. Where were you in your personal life at this time, through this 13 years? Like, I'm just curious. So you talked to us a lot about that Were you know you obviously moved back to San Diego. Were you still in San Diego at this time?
2: I was. Like, yeah. So, so when I got laid off, you
0: mentioned you also have kids, right? Be- yeah. Before, before we started recording, we had a little chat. And so we learned that you have a couple of kids. So, I mean, it, cause I think this can also sort of impact some of these decisions, right?
2: 100%. So I didn't have any children at the time. I was still living in San Diego. I had just gotten married. Um, This was roughly 2003. Yeah. 2003 ish, I guess. And that's when I got laid off, was two thousand and five, I guess, is when the layoffs began. And then um, for whatever reason, uh my my wife at the time, I'm not we're not married any longer, uh, her father got cancer. And so she left San Diego and moved to Florida and she just lived with her parents. And I was still out in San Diego. And then there was a whole bunch of shit that happened. Like I play soccer, so I got this really brutal soccer injury. And so Mm -hmm. I had to have surgery. I was on like crutches in a wheelchair for like God knows how long. That all happened at the same time as the layoff, the surgery. Um, yeah. And so like it was So it, yeah, you were
0: you're kind of at this weird point then. Yeah,
2: I was at a crossroads. And so I had to make a decision, like, where am I gonna go? So um I actually ended up moving to Connecticut at the time. Um, my brother was in Connecticut, he had his own business out there, and I went out there and started doing some work for him. Um, just didn't really know what to do. And that's when they rehired me as a consultant with the company. So then I was I'm in Connecticut and then I'm doing consulting, but simultaneous that I made the decision to start really developing my photography. And that's where kind of all that came out.
0: Okay. So yeah, you're at this point and you said you're, you started to look at, you know, what you like and what you're good at, which, you know, you hinted that that was the photography. Tell us now where you're at in this sort of crossroads. What did you do?
2: So I just, I kept working as a consultancy for this company and this is in Connecticut and simultaneous that I would do my nine to five and then I would come home and I was like a beggar in the streets. I'll photograph anything like you, you name it, I'll do it. So neighbors, friends, family, whomever, I'm just like pimping myself out for photography just because I just, I, I needed experience. And then I started doing an apprenticeship with another photographer. So I was basically his bitch just doing whatever he needed. Um, and just, just really learning the, the technical aspects of photography um And again, I, I I would go nine to five or really from my situation, it was like consulting. So I was working whenever, wherever. And then whenever I could pick up a gig, I'd go shoot photography. And so that's kind of where that that passion started to morph into like, wait, I'm actually making real money doing this and I'm pretty freaking good at it. So maybe there's something I should look at here.
0: So, okay. um It's funny that you mentioned that. That's pretty much... So I'm a photographer as well. And my journey is very much... Similar. I, when I started, you know, getting in, getting into photography, I would shoot anything and everything. And like, Mm -hmm. and then when somebody was like, well, let me pay you for your photos. I was like, what? Somebody actually wants to pay me to do (laughs) this? What? And I think I charged like $75 for like my first like family session. It was like, looking back, it's like so cringe that I'm just like, But everybody starts somewhere. So you started making money and you started realizing that, hey, like maybe I am kind of good at this and maybe I can get money. So tell us about like where you went from there.
2: Yeah, well, it was kind of weird. I'm very similar Jesse. It's a good point. I, I, you know, I would take a cup of coffee to shoot a family portrait session, and and I was just like, whatever, wherever, I'll take whatever you can give me, um, which is sort of kind of funny because it's the parallels of like scarcity and you know how we deal as entrepreneurs, like what do we charge? You know, we're not worth that. How can we be worth that? Um, I started getting referred by people, which was really kind of an odd thing. And I was like, wait, people are really like my work, so I was getting referred, and yeah, so I kept doing all that. Um, I ended up moving to Charlotte. Um, with my wife who I, we reconnected we had a baby we moved to charlotte north carolina and we lived here for roughly 10 years or so so r- right around and that's when we separated um so right around 2010 i said you know what i've I'm, i've developed my craft enough that i feel confident enough that i can start doing this without everything else kind of getting in the way because I was getting put on all sorts of projects and things were just really kind of hindering my business. And so I like, I was literally like those musicians you see in Times Square in New York. I've got a banjo, a drum, a flute, a harmonica, and I'm like literally sitting here with one laptop doing my nine to five job. Phone call, one phone here, and I have another phone over here. And I'm like taking phone calls and I'm doing work over here and editing photos. And I'm like literally going back and forth like a a musician in Times Square. And I just realized at that point that there's no way I can grow this business seriously or take myself seriously if I'm doing this one or the other and just kind of mixing everything up. And so I took a long, hard look at my financials to sort of see what would I need to survive? Am I making enough money to do that? Do I have enough money saved up? you know, all the different things that went into that decision. And I just decided, you know, I'm ready to do this. And so I just said, I'm done. And I walked away from it and eaten eight saltine crackers and ramen noodles for three years before <laughs> I was ready to, <laughs> to do anything different. Your blood yeah, pressure like,
1: must have been really high. It sounds like college for me. <laughs> yeah, college, no. Right? Yeah.
2: It, very similar to college. You're right. I, honestly, I thrived in it. Um, yeah, it was very stressful, but I th- I I found that I really thrived under pressure situations and being able to sort of call my own shots and dictate my the way I did my business. And so for me, it was um I I I I I kid not I actually love working. I like guess something is just I'm really passionate about the stuff that I'm doing, and so I've never really felt or or viewed it as work. So it was I knew that I was I, I knew that I'd made the right decision. That's where I guess I'm going with that.
1: You've kind of already given us a lot to think about when it comes to kind of making that leap so taking that all down like not not to water it down maybe simplify it if someone is thinking that they want to make this jump to entrepreneurship what are some things that they need to consider the good and the bad kind of like you were talking about the ramen and all this kind of stuff uh to experience like what can they do to start today kind of thing what can they expect
2: i think really um it, it's all about the passion and that's going to fuel <laughs> my cats. will my cat will join us in a second. I, I think really, um, <laughs> You know, the journey from corporate to creative, which is what I am, I could call myself now. It's, I've always really believed in the idea of having a passion and that passion can fill your purpose. And and that isn't just in your business, that's in everything, you know, whether it's your relationships or your hobbies or the the books that you read or the type of food that you eat. Like if you're passionate about something, it it just gives you a purpose behind it. And so I think, really, first and foremost, um, entrepreneurship itself, if you're considering that, it's not just about setting up a business, it's about really be really being very clear and succinct about what's the vision around what you want to do with what you are passionate about. Like what are the things that you're good at? How can you scale that? How can you solve someone's problem? And how can you uniquely do that that qualifies you as an expert in your field so that you you can scale that business? Because I think I think I truly believe like there's something for everyone to do. And if you take a look, I mean, you're on, you're on a podcast. How many crazy creative entrepreneurial gigs have you encountered in, in your world? It's like, wait, there's somebody who literally does that? That's crazy to think about. Like, right. So
1: if there is a job that you think, like, if there's something you think of, there's somebody who does it at hand yeah, very yeah. easily.
2: Yeah. It's crazy. Like, somebody makes this little marker right here that I use to write up on my vision board. You know, it's like somebody does, somebody came up with an idea to create this. Or, I, you know, I have this mouse that I, that I, that I use. It's, it's a, it's designed specifically so that your hand is ergonomically correct and not sitting here so you get carpal tunnel. It's like somebody had the forethought to think about, you know what, this mouse is rudimentary and stupid. I'm gonna create something that is ergonomically correct and won't give me carpal tunnel syndrome every time I sit on my laptop all day long. So it's just like, um, and and somebody was passionate about that idea. So I think that first step is being having some self-awareness around what are you good at? And what value can you offer to other, other people? And and don't necessarily I think what's crazy to me is and interrupt me if I'm going too too long. I think entrepreneurship in and of itself, it's it's often very romanticized as like you know we get to work our own hours we don't work on weekends or whatever people's notions are about entrepreneurs and they couldn't be further from the right. truth most of the time it's like dude i work like 16 hours a day like for real like and then i do that and then my mind never shuts I was like i'm always thinking about ways to improve my business or how can i make different connections or do i have a new product that i want to launch it's like and then in the in the in the, the time span of the, those 16 hours like for me you know i'm I'm servicing clients i'm handling t- i have a team so i've got to do human resource stuff like i'm filling out contracts like there's just like literally like
1: you never bed- unplug
2: you never That's unplug well you have to unplug i've learned to unplug well, but you're right you never unplug technically you could never unplug and just like hook me up with some juice and 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 protein and i'm just gonna sit here and work for 24 hours a day
1: right Right. There's not like going to an office, working for, you know, a company and then coming home and kind of forgetting about it. Oh, yeah. there's That just doesn't exist when you're yeah. in an entrepreneur mindset world. So,
2: so to answer your question, sorry, more succinctly, I, I think develop some self-awareness around, you know, it's crucial to understand why you're considering this jump. What is it that makes it worthwhile to you? And then what's your risk tolerance? like you for really have to stop and think about what is your risk tolerance for pain because not everything is romanticized and rosy as we just talked about and you know there are challenging days and there are more challenging days and there are there are serious financial implications to this sort of a move so just being very clear on your risk tolerance and then uh, honestly for me uh, i think i did this accidentally it wasn't sort of like oh i had planned this out because i made so many mistakes but I didn't just quit my job until I knew that I had something to support myself with. Right. Like I wouldn't just necessarily just say, Hey, I'm done with you guys. Fuck off and walk away. Like what do you have behind the scenes that you've been working on developing? And, and is it at the point where you can safely walk
0: away? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think, I think so many, we actually just one of our other guests, just similar sort of story. She had, you know, her, her jobs, she was still working while she was building up her own consultancy. And so, um, I think that's while like doing that, like you said, it became like you were the band, the entire band doing all the things. But if you're doing all the things and you're able to validate your product, your idea, um, that's a huge step because you know there's a market for it. So continuing to do that, and it's going to suck. It's going to suck doing all the things for however long it takes you to validate said idea, but it's better than... Giving yourself financial strain and not being able to pay your bills or put food on the table.
2: One hundred percent, I couldn't agree with you more. And and so you know, if you're going to go into that space and and you've you've done the self awareness stuff that I just referenced, it it really it's really going to benefit you if you can take the time. And I did not know these things, so I'm speaking hindsight is twenty twenty, right? But. Do some deep dive research on on your product and and understand your market. Be very clear on what service you're offering, and who are your competitors. What value do you bring to the table? How are you going to set out about doing this differently? And sort of be very be very self introspective on what it is that you're going to bring to the table. And then, man, network the shit out of this. Like one of the things that has been integral for my success in business today is I am a consummate networker. I will talk to literally. Anyone, no matter where you are. Grocery line, I make a conversation with the clerk. You're sitting in in a shoe store, I'll strike up a conversation. I'm on a carnival ride with my daughter and I'm striking up a conversation with the dude sitting next to me, like about just like network the shit out of yourself. Go to meetings, join groups, get up in meetups, find where the local business organizations are, and just get out there. And you know, I know a lot of people are scared of networking, and I was scared shitless. I was like, Who's gonna want to hear from me? Who's gonna want to meet from me? But like the more you do it, the more confidence you build, the more you do it, the more people you start see there's like so you have like a, a familiarity going on because like i saw jesse i saw kate i saw you both those events i'm just gonna go straight up here like strength and numbers we're gonna we're gonna tackle this together right ladies so like the more you do it the more people you meet and then it's like it just sort of becomes like part of your ethos. And then um, like we talked about earlier, for me, I was given my photography way to anybody and everybody, just sort of like figuring out what am I good at? What do I like? Who thinks I'm good? Maybe I'm not that good at it. Maybe I suck. Like So I was like beta in myself in all regards. And so I put up these like pilot projects, if you will. And then um, the last piece I would say is, Never stop educating yourself. Like It's critical that you continue to grow. Don't ever stop seeking education. And this the minute you stop, the minute you think you know everything about your business or your industry or your craft is the minute somebody else is going to be coming along behind you and just eat you up. So I guess mm-hmm. I'll stop there.
1: Well, and I feel like we're set such a crucial point with like, and, and this is a totally different discussion, but like AI and stuff like that. There's been all these talks about, yeah. well, you know, if you don't somehow embrace AI, you're kind of going to get left behind in that respect. You know, when you're talking about keeping up with things. Yeah. Um, but again, that's totally other, other conversation, but keeping up that education is crucial. Definitely. Well, and I don't think people talk about it enough. So along those lines, you
0: started to, to to talk about this a little bit. You talked you know about sort of the strategy that goes behind you know this leap and it ties back to thinking about your brand and actually building a brand. You were like, you know you asked mm-hmm. the question, who is your audience? Who are your competitors? How are you doing something uniquely? And I know just because like, in my own experience, this is, this is the starting to think about like what goes into your brand and and how are you actually going to start marketing yourself? So you actually, and we didn't really exactly talk about this yet, but you now own or a part of this, you know, the, the Fusion Creative, that's your business now, which is more than just photography at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, as this, you know, brand strategist that, that you are, what are some of the things that as we're doing this brainstorming, in addition to some of those things you already touched upon, what do you need to start thinking about to be successful as a business? Because you can have all the passion in the world. You can have all the talent in the world. But in the end of the day, you're running a business and you need to get clients. And how do you get said clients? So I don't know if you can talk to us a little bit about that.
2: So the question, sorry, that was a lot. I, I-
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Is there anything else? Yeah. Like, how how much like branding goes into this, and you know, how much should people start to start to think about that? Because when I started again, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Like, I didn't know anything about a brand. I didn't know that like I needed to start developing these, you know, values and like you know the how to market myself. So how? And I know some of this comes like you know, and in, in that educating yourself sort of, you know, flow when you are entering the entrepreneur world. But if someone's listening and they're like, well, how can I really like get a jump on this? What are some of the things that they can start to think about as far as their brand goes when they're early on in the process? It's,
1: it's
2: mm-hmm. a really good question. I think there's a lot of different layers to unpack there. Um, I like you did not really understand the word brand. I never it, it was not part of my lexicon. You know, I just thought, "Hey, I'm a photographer. I take really good photos, and I'm just going to go out there and let people know that." So, you know, in it the things that I was doing, I didn't realize they were actually the brand itself. And I think what a lot of people don't really understand is your brand, specifically your brand message, it's your guiding north star. It's a it's a compass for you internally. And it's a barometer for the people who want your product to sort of see it and understand who you are. So it's like a double-edged sword If and you can falter or fail. With, with both of those, right? So if you're not clear yourself, first and foremost, on who you are, what you are, why you are, why do you exist? What problems do you solve? How do you want to show up in the marketplace? How do you want to be interpreted? You know, if you were to walk into a room, Jesse, and had a conversation or maybe you were a keynote or whatever it is and you spoke to 20 people, as soon as you walked out that room and they started whispering about that interaction they had with you just now, h- how would you want them to receive you? What would you want them to say? That's your brand. That's your message. And so I think a lot of people don't understand that literally every single thing you do from how you answer the phone to your voicemail greeting to how long it takes you to respond to emails to the type of emails that you respond with to your marketing to your social media that you post or don't post to literally everything from the logo you have on your on your swag like literally everything that is your brand it it, it is your it's the compass that guides the ship of your business and so i think a lot of people Especially what I see most of the time with new entrepreneurs is they think, oh, I've got this really cool business card and it's soft and it has velvety fills to it. <laughs> and I'm just gonna hand this out and people can be like, oh, oh. he's the he's the shit. raise him up. And it's like this is like you couldn't be further from the truth. Like in today's day and age, business cards are almost obsolete for crying out loud. It's everything else that goes yeah. into that that's gonna make your business make your brand message clear to people because what that does is if you're clear on that and I'll finish with this last this, this last point if you're clear on that guiding north star of your business your brand all those things not only are you not only do you have a foundational compass to follow now right but everybody else who sees that receives it reads about it hears about it watches this podcast they're going to be very clear on what you do as well and that doesn't speak to everybody, right? It speaks to some people. Like Kate, you might not—you fallen asleep and close the door on me twice already, so you don't give a shit about my product. But Jesse, she's like, <laughs> no. I totally need that service because he just—what'd yeah, you follow? I'm me, being like. attacked
1: by my cat right now. I don't even know. He's—he's he's obviously very interested in what you have to say because he does—he—he he won't stop getting in front of the camera. That's funny. Oh, he's Is gonna do cat- it right now.
2: I just bought a new house and the people who lived here had apparently had a cat as well. And in the laundry room is where they kept their cat litter box, but they have built into certain doors around the room where where they want the cat, a little cat door. It's like Mm. built into the door. I'd never seen it before. It's so cool.
1: Yeah. We had had one when we had a cat.
0: Yeah, My cat was,
1: I don't know if you could hear him. He was meowing like crazy outside. So I opened the door to let him in and now he's just attacking my leg. Uh, Like, like. (laughs) With his little claws. Uh, and then he keeps crawling in front of the camera. So thank God that nobody's, uh, you know, this is a audio only podcast because <laughs> this is probably the worst.
2: Well, well I just ruined it for it you. The, the, cat, the cat's out of the bag.
1: Yeah, seriously. Literally. That's all right. That's all right. its right. Uh, I'll be doing a lot of editing on this one. I can tell. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and well, haven't yawned. I promise once. <laughs> I'm just giving you talking
0: shit. I, I- know. <laughs> so now I have a question about, cause this is cocktails and content creation. Mm-hmm. Um, when, uh, you know, and I think the best way for you to talk about this maybe is through your own experiences, building your own business as you're starting to create this photography business of yours. How much like marketing and content creation did you do to support this transition to entrepreneurship? Because when mm-hmm. I first started my photography business back in like I don't I don't know, it was like
1: 2013,
0: I think is it when was I really,
1: 2013, I remember.
0: Yeah. I I didn't post really on Instagram. I didn't really write blog posts Nobody that did. much. Like I, I just didn't do it until I until I did. Um so I'm just curious, you being like seem seemingly super, super savvy, were you doing any sort of content creation, content marketing when you weren't doing that transition? Or when did you start doing it. If not.
2: No, seemingly about it. I am very savvy, Jesse. I'm just joking. (laughs) Um, Well, first of all, girlfriend, I didn't have social media back in those days. It didn't exist for me. So like I'm a dinosaur. So I guess I'm not a millennial social media. didn't really come out for me. Uh, I mean, I guess it was around I've, I've never I didn't really embrace social media till probably 2017, 18, really for me. Um
1: I feel like a it, lot of people though, a lot of entrepreneurs were the same way. So yeah. I don't think you're behind the time. So, so well, at
0: that time you were, I was just looking through my notes. So 2017, 2018, how long would you have been sort of in the photography business?
2: I started full time 2010. So So I, you I, were
0: seven to eight years man. without any social media marketing. Let's let's just say that. And then no
2: Facebook, no Google, nothing.
0: What about? Like, were you doing any sort of other like digital marketing?
2: Oh, I was. There was no digital marketing. It didn't exist. You had a website. And, but, you know, um, back in those days, it was a completely different purpose and reason for having a website. So um, for me, everything was print. So I would submit my images, for example, to magazines. And you know, there would be you in the hopes that you'd get on the cover or a write-up or there would have contests. And so I would submit photography whenever, wherever, like any contest there was, I would submit it because I just I didn't view it as um a vanity metric. I wasn't looking for trophies or anything like that. I was looking for exposure. And so um, I was doing keynotes. Like, I would approach chamber of commerces, any business you can possibly think about. I would just do keynotes or lectures, or I do education. Like, I'll go to the nursing home and teach these old people how to do take a photograph. Like, I was just doing whatever I could possibly do to expose myself. So, um, I even published my own magazine for a few years, where we would send it out and we'd uh, publish the magazine. It was all about photography and weddings and engagements and love stories, and would feature clients in it. And I would have I would hire off of Craigslist. Truly, I hired off of Craigslist people who would walk who would. Drive around to every venue in the city and hand out stacks of my magazines to the to the to whoever was the host of the venue in hopes that they would see this and be like, oh, this is somebody. When a bride walks in the door, we want to refer them to. So, um, we were grassroots guerrilla marketing in those days. Um, but to answer your question, let's fast forward and answer it from today. It's 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 a huge piece of everything you do. Um, it, it's your It's your personal brand. It's like, it's your message. It's how you show up. And so it's really, really critical that whatever your brand message is your content matches that vibe and matches that ethos so how how do you want to show up in the world are you you know you just have to you, you have to understand that from from your own branding discovery if you will and and what does your brand stand for and then from that standpoint start creating content around that telling your story letting people see behind the scenes what's going on what do you believe in what are you what are you empowered about like all the things and then create content around that and that content comes into form for us it's blogging it's paid advertising it's social media. It's all the imagery that we put out, everything that we share. We do a huge amount of UGC with our, our clients. So we empower mm. our clients to take the photos that we give them, and then we empower them to post them on their own channels. And that's been a huge thing for us because it makes your content go viral. Um, and I can talk about this to I'm blue in the face. But to, to answer your question in a nutshell, having content that is... Efficacious and supports like that big word that really supports who you are and what you do is critical for a, for a good brand. It's like literally critical.
0: Well, it's so funny because I feel like when I first started my business, I had no idea. Like, like I was literally just like posting pictures. I mean, I love that you share because what you were doing was essentially content marketing. It's just not mm-hmm. in the digital form. Um, yeah. You know, I was just sharing pictures on Instagram or Facebook wherever, being like, "Look at this pretty picture," and like. Okay, like I had no idea that that's not really effective with marketing because I had no brand messaging. So, I think it's interesting because so many people start entrepreneurship and they struggle for a long time because they don't they don't understand that yet. So, I guess what would you say to someone that is at this point but like maybe maybe they they can't invest in like figuring out that message, like I don't know. I mean, it's just it's a lot to think about when you're first starting out, it can be a lot to invest in. What would you tell that person?
2: Well, come to one of my branding seminars that I do online. I do those all the time, pretty regularly. Follow me on Instagram because I I drop knowledge on a regular basis. But if you don't mm-hmm. do any of those, I think if you can't afford somebody to do a brand discovery, which is one of the things we do with all of our clients, like we don't start a... a a client engagement until we've completed a brand discovery with them. And that brand discovery is everything you just said. It's it's their Bible. It becomes their 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 guiding North Star. And it's everything about their business, who they are, what they are, why they are, who do they sell to, what's their avatar look like, what's the type of market they want to play in, what's the sandbuck, what's the value, all the things. Like it's a 24 page deck when it's all said and done. I am mean, like I know more about my clients than they know about themselves. But what's really cool in that process is that we get to learn about them and they get to learn about themselves because um, a friend of mine gave Gary, and I always give him credit for this because it's one of the best things I ever heard is, you know, we have, we're not able to read our own label because we get stuck inside our jar. And so, you know, think about that. Like, if this is a jar, like we're just sitting inside, I don't know what it says on the outside. Right. And I was like, that's the coolest fucking thing ever. I'm going to use that all the time. And, but it's true when it comes to branding and running a business. If you can't, if you don't have any revenue to do that, then I would consider. Getting together, pay for beers, don't be a cheapskate. Ha- invite three of your your closest people that know you better than anyone else into your home for the night or meet them at a bar or whatever. And and just and you can Google it, man. Just Google some questions like how what's the best way to figure out what my brand message is? And 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 then have them start sharing through a feedback loop what it is that makes you special. Why is your product like use them to bounce your ideas off of and start really creating this, this snapshot of all of the things? And it's like the basic tenets of that are who are you, what are you, why are you, what problem do you solve, what's your value proposition, and how do you uniquely how do you make that unique so that you're not like everyone else in the marketplace? And if you can have those that little board of advisors if you will or your mom or your girlfriend or your boyfriend, I don't even give a shit, just find someone who knows you really well and have them help you step through that, get it on paper, and once you have it on paper, start going in there and like fleshing it out, like what is it what questions can I flesh out to make this more clear and organic and resonant with an audience that would want to pay me money and exchange a resource with me for a service that I'm telling them I can offer? and And I mean, that, those are things you can do with just you know, a few hours of research and a few hours of of pen and paper with some friends
1: mm. or so a I, lo- I love so that true. idea. <laughs> I I mean, I think it's just like the,
0: like, for me, it was like, I bootstrapped for so long. And then, you know, I was like, finally had a little bit of like business savings, or is like, finally going to invest. And once you can invest, it just there's usually an RO. obviously do your research, but there's usually an ROI. So the more you invest the more you're going to get back in that and you can continue to invest, but it's like, it takes a while to get there. So I, I, you know, thank you for sharing some of those. Like, yeah, I mean, it seems obvious go Google, but like I really like some of your concrete questions to ask and the fact that you can just like tap your existing network, friends, family, people that have already worked with you when you were like, I'll photograph anything. I'll photograph anything. You photographed their dog like three years ago. Tell me, like, come talk to me.
2: Um, But you mentioned, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Don't expect success overnight. I think a lot of people mistake having a good plan and then I have this plan, I spent this time and energy on it and now mm-hmm. I still don't have any customers. And it's like, well, first of all, it's an iterative process. It doesn't just happen overnight. Second of all, you just began. It doesn't happen overnight. You're going to have to continue to step and pour money in marketing, or pour money into your marketing. And I, I mean I don't I don't know the exact number, but um I'm, I'm the anecdotal number, but I think it's something like thirty to forty percent of your money. You're supposed to be your revenue. You're supposed to be pouring right back into your marketing budget. So if if you're not spending money, you're not going to make money. I mean, I guess you could just you know go knock door to door and try to plea and beg for someone to work with you. But y- most of the revenue you that you put in should be a portion of your revenue that you make from your company should be poured right back into the company and helping it grow. I don't think a lot of people understand that. I certainly do. not right.
1: They think that just once they start getting customers, they're just going to keep coming or whatever. They're just going to magically find you. Yeah. That's what everybody says. If you build it, they will come. Yes, exactly. Um, Okay. So you
0: mentioned this branding webinar that you have. Um, Why don't you tell our audience where people can find you, maybe more about your webinars and um, any other services or offers that you have?
2: So I started this new webinar series. It's basically business and branding 101 all the way up to becoming a, you know, a seasoned expert in the world of branding. Um, they're they're interactive. So they're really cool. Um, I, I talk for a few minutes and then I put you through exercises in the session. So it's like a classroom type learning. It's not just me sitting up here uh, running for, for two hours. And so they're very engaging. We have a Q&A session at the end. I devote enough time for it, but um, they're really kind of fundamental things that you would need to know to build your business and launch your brand. And so um, there's 10 of these courses. They are recorded. Um, you can sign up for them on my website, which is fusioncreativebranding.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at fusionphotog, um, P-H-O-T-O-G, short for photography. And I, I talk about them all the time. It's in my profile links, all those sorts
1: of things.
0: Mm, well, we could like literally go on for hours but um we're gonna we do find all those do have links wrap by the way
1: in the show notes <laughs> yes. so check out the show notes for this episode and we'll have all of that down there for you thank yes. you
0: yes uh but this conversation has been very enlightening and i appreciate you taking the time to go through your personal story i think I always love hearing people's stories because you never know which way it's going to go. And mm-hmm. not only
1: that-, that, why would you listen to somebody if they haven't experienced something that you're going, that you might be going through. So hearing the personal story can really help people connect with that. Sure. And I feel like a lot of people can connect with your story.
2: Well, so that's I a know great point. I did. That's a great point, Kate, because your story is your brand and, and that's what people mm-hmm. connect through is they connect to the story. I I, I don't, I can't drive that point home enough you have to be able to tell your story so that you can connect with the right type of audience. I mean, if you if you go back thousands and thousands of years to early humans, like we told stories sitting around a campfire and shared, and that's how we connected from clan to clan, and we certainly started connecting as a, as a larger species. And not to get all historical on you, but like it's storytelling is everything, and that that's that drives the narrative of our business. and And every major brand in the world that exists and has had success, they use storytelling to connect with an audience that saw something, felt something and had an emotional connection with that brand. People don't buy your product for its qualitative use per se. It can't suck of course, but they buy what they can connect with you on. Why, what is it about that one person that I really love? Like, what is it about whether you like polar bears through Coca-Cola at Christmas time? I don't even know. <laughs> like there's things that you just, everyone finds something to latch onto and that's why yep. they buy that product. Right. Totally. Yeah.
1: Agreed. Mm-hmm. Agreed. This has been such a fantastic conversation, even though I did yawn once. <laughs> once. We'll forgive you for that one. Uh, all right. Just well, because you got those
2: cool pink ends on your hair, you're forgiven. It's matching the pink oh, vibes thank behind you, you. Thank
1: you. Pink. Yeah. And then the black cat that keeps walking through the mm. camera and I keep fighting them over here. So, uh, <laughs> well, and you have cats too, so you know what it's like, mm-hmm. um, but yes, thank you so much, Devo, for coming on the show and talking with us about everything. I feel like so many people are going to really get so much out of this.
2: Thank you for having me on. I pr- really appreciate the time.
1: Thank you.
0: I think it's really relatable to what he said as far as his entrepreneur journey, specifically because I'm a photographer and he's, you know, started his business being a photographer. So I think for me, just you know, knowing that it's not a fluid, you know, a, a start, you know, step-by-step step thing into an entrepreneurship. But he gave us some really good insights. And of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. Similarly with me, I, you know, looking back at how I started my business, what I would do. Um, but he has some really good points. So if anybody is listening in and thinking about making that leap, you know check out some of his content head to his website we have all of that information linked up but the points that he mentioned just really hone in on those because i i completely agree with everything he said about this journey and so if anything that is my biggest takeaway from
1: this episode with devo i will just say ditto right there because i think he covered everything that needs to be said all right all right. So thank you so much for listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. Make, to join our, make sure to join our Facebook group, Cocktails and Content Creation Community. You can also join us over on Instagram at Cocktails and Content Creation. I'm Kate Andrews and you can follow me on Instagram at FashionablyKate and Co. And I'm Jessie Wyman. You can follow me on Instagram at Wyman
0: photos. Make sure to tune in next time for another episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. And until
1: then, cheers to your next cocktail and happy content creating.